welcome to Sparks, a podcast from Ignium, designed to help you reignite your passion and drive your business forwards. This is the second part of the two-part interview I recorded with Helen Isaac of the Trusted Coach Directory. We've decided to put this part out first because it covers off some of the fundamentals around what is coaching and why do people choose to work with a coach. The second episode, which would come is the first one, will actually be looking at what's the trusted coach directory and how do people go about choosing a coach that they know they can work with, who's trusted, got credibility and actually can achieve results in the future. I hope you enjoy this and I hope you come back to listen to the second episode when we release that in reverse order. Now for the interview with Helen Isaac. I'd like to take the opportunity to apologise to you listeners as well. The sound quality of this recording isn't up to scratch, but the content I think is really important. So rather than re-record it with Helen and miss some of the nuances, I thought we'd put it out as it is. If you have comments or questions, please come back to us and we can put you in touch with Helen if you need clarification. Enjoy the show. So Helen, welcome back to the uh, Sparks podcast. Thanks, Phil. So tell me, we, we talked last time about Trusted Coach Directory and why Trusted Coach Directory exists and what your intent was with that. Uh, but I'd love to find a bit more about coaching itself. And I know a lot of people hear the term coaching and they talk about coaching, but some people don't actually know what coaching is and what it can do for them. So I thought I'd come to the source and uh, find out what's your view on why do people need coaching? Oh, gosh, there's two, quest- two different questions, I think, Phil. So what question is why do they need coaching? Yeah. Um, so let's, let's just talk a bit about what, what coaching is because I think it's really it's misinterpreted. Um, so often, even after I've been coaching for 10 years or so, I still have friends saying, oh, how's counselling, Helen? First of all, coaching, not often I start off saying what coaching isn't. So coaching, it's not, um, it's not training. It's not me just imparting information. It's not consulting it's not mentoring because as a coach we're not sharing our experience and we're not giving people solutions and quite often our coaches want us to give them solutions but as coaches we know that's not helpful to them our belief is that they have all the resources that they need within them yes yes it's finding out stuff from other people and also coaching is not therapy and it's not counselling although it's just therapeutic just talking about stuff is therapeutic we all know that don't we yeah. talking to somebody who truly listens to what we've got to say and not being interrupted mm-hmm. uh, and as a coach um, it, as a coach it's about asking questions and, and being really curious not just going through a tick list of questions but really wanting to dig a little bit deeper with genuine curiosity and actually listening for the answers. So coaching is very much a dialogue helping a person to raise their self-awareness. And, it, and for me, it's about helping your coachee to, you're helping them shift from where they are now to where it is that they want to move towards. Yeah, that's interesting. Helping them shift from where they are to where they want to go. So, so that brings yeah. me on to the second part of the question I asked originally that case is, why do people come to coaching? Because a lot of people, uh, they don't wake up in the morning and say, I need a therapist or a counsellor, or maybe some people do. Uh, maybe that's something we need to talk about. But why do people choose to want to work with a coach? Um, I would say typically because they know about coaching and they know what coaching is. Okay. All right, so that would be the first step. I think for someone to wake up yeah. and say, you know what, I'm going to find a coach, it's because they, they heard about coaching. Yeah. Um, and if they understand what coaching is, then that's great. The reason why they would choose coaching 
would be because they know they need to do a bit of inner work. Okay. Because they know they're not going to be just told a lot of answers. If they wanted that scenario, if they were struggling with their you know, time management, for example, you've got a time management training course. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that seems to be the more acceptable form of development yeah. as being traditionally. Someone in a team you know, struggling with time management because they're overloaded with work and they've got too much to do. It might not be they've got too much to do, they're just not managing their work really effectively. You've got a time management training program. Two or three days, you come back with lots of tools and techniques and, and you might take one or two things on board and come back with great intentions. Um, and then a week later, you're back to your old tricks. Our coaches have had it. And yet someone who understands about coaching will know it's not just about learning some new tricks of the trade. It's about understanding how we operate as people, so how we manage ourselves. Yeah. So someone might go for coaching um, because they want to really get down to what's driving their behaviour or their non-behaviour. Because that's yeah. what coaching does. It's helping somebody to raise their self-awareness and understand what their sort of drivers are, what their motivations are. Um, yeah. You know, there's so much that goes on within time management, yeah. you know, for example, and that stops us from working effectively. But there are lots of other reasons why people um, go for coaching. And, and sometimes... We don't realise that these, these areas, issues, challenges, problems can be addressed. We just think, well, that's that time. Yeah. You know, I'm not a detailed person. I don't do detail. Um, so it's almost a bit of an excuse. But, yeah, kind of the stuff that you can take for coaching is you know, having, a lot of it's relationships, it's having conflict, it's dealing with your manager or dealing with your team members or the two team members who are not getting on very well. Mm-hmm. And, and typically what happens in a management perspective, those, um, notice it's like you join an organisation, you know, in your younger years, and you get really good at what you do, whatever that might be. You're in a team, certainly part of the team, you always complain about our managers who don't know how to, to manage. And then all of a sudden, because you're good at what you do, you're getting promotion. And then potentially you are then managing the team that you used to be one of, or you maybe get to manage another team. And from being a really good say, accountant, brilliant with figures and spreadsheets, or you know, IT software developer, you're brilliant at what you do. And next thing you know, you're managing a team of people. Yeah. Understand why your team not motivated, they're not coming in on time, or why they're not um, producing and performing, or there's a conflict situation. And, and new managers and even experienced leaders don't always have the tools to deal with that. Yeah. And they just go home with a headache and they're stressed and how am I going to do this? Or they're going to a presentation and, and they're, you know, they're overcoming anxiety or nerves or they, you know, they're walking through it. So there are lots of different scenarios that people can take to coaching. So presenting, time management, handling conflict, progression, applying for promotion, and then they're not getting it. Yeah, yeah. And any of those scenarios and that's just a very small selection typically you think i want someone just to tell me what to do but what people learn who've not had coaching before learn very quickly is actually with as coaches we're going to start drilling down uh, find what's really yeah. going on here and, and not just to give you some solitaire to yeah. the class to paper over cracks but to actually sand right down and find out what's really going on here yeah. um you know, what's going on for you? What are they, you know, do you 
sign up to do a presentation or you need to handle a conflicting situation, you've got conflict with a member of your team, you know, what's stopping you from from dealing with this face on? Yeah. You know, from a conflict situation, and you start to build down it's that fear of the consequences of having a really tough conversation. Yeah. And that's the key. Yeah. So it's understanding what's really going on for you behind that behaviour or non-behaviour. And, 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 you know, then it taps into your values. If you've got to go and have a really difficult conversation with a member of the pool or you're doing an appraisal, and, you you know, both parties are going to hate the thought of doing that because of potential conflict or yeah. all sorts of beliefs around what that appraisal is going to be like, which is going to inhibit our behaviour. And also our values. You know, if, if respect is really important to you and as an employee... We're going into that thinking, well, they're not going to listen, they don't respect me, so they're not going to listen, or my boss isn't going to listen. As a line manager, maybe what's important to you is, um, I don't know, open communication or timekeeping, whatever it might be. And, and our values can then come into our belief systems. There's just so much better. Than yeah. It's that thing around, uh, as you say, people can go and get a training tra- time management course by going on a training program, but most people know how to manage their time. They just don't do it. So there's something else yeah. stopping them. And, yeah. and, and what I understand and what you're saying there is very much the thing that's at heart is their values and their beliefs and something else stopping them making progress. Uh, and you mentioned also about uh, a manager who's been promoted or a person who's been promoted to be into management. So they're, so they're moving away from the technical ability into this management ability and they've got to deal with people. Um, so, so I wonder in that case, uh, one of the things that you've talked about in the past is uh, companies coming to look for coaching to service their employees or to, to provide some service in other ways. Um, what, do, what do companies typically come looking for? Because obviously the individual puts their hand up and says, I need coaching. But sometimes companies say, we need coaching for these people. And often coaching used to be seen as, um, I remember many years ago, remedial work for those who are poor performers. But there's a shift in coaching in, in, in the last 20 years, which I think is more around than the other side, personal performance. How do you see that turning out for people? Yeah, I think right now I used to get a call from a you know, big construction company and they would say, Helen, can you come and fix so-and-so? Yeah. Who was promoted two months ago. We probably promoted her a bit too early. She's now off the stress. Um, so it would be, as you say, quite remedial. <laughs> and I was saying... Um, it would be really good if, you know, before you start promoting somebody, let's have some coaching first to prepare them for that change. Yeah. Yes, that's happening. And also, I think more organisations now, because coaching is getting better reputation, yeah. because they see the results of it, um, they are now they are looking at developing their leaders and they recognise that that sort of out of the can and do, I don't know if you see that many like this anymore but I was going to say you know some leadership development programs are very much you know input giving lots of models you know here or this is how you should do it and now then much more of a coaching style yeah it might be putting my senior leaders through a leadership development program and, and then wanting to do some coaching interspersed with that or on the back of that so that the individuals can once they're out of the classroom can then actually um go and take some of those models and look at you know how can they implement that so as a yeah. coach working with the coach on a one-to-one and start exploring what might stop that manager yeah 
implementing that kind of model, what, what's going on with it, and to support them there. So, yeah, so that they would be coming to that. And, you know, the example I've given you before is literally just a couple of weeks, a college in the north contacted me saying they just put their new there. They want to do some 360 with their senior leaders. They've okay. done that. But now yeah. they realise, actually, that needs some, you know, proper constructive debriefing because 360 feedbacks without any debriefing. Yeah, yeah, is missing out on something. It's just throwing the grenade in. That, that debrief needs to be handled very constructively and then translate into a coaching programme to look for the development areas and set some goals, yeah. some tangible goals, so they can see the tangible outcomes. Okay. And, and I, so, so there's really interesting here about tangible outcomes. I think this is one of the, the big issues that a number of people have raised. Is, you know, how do you monitor, how do you measure the return on investment in coaching? Mm-hmm. Have you any thoughts on that in terms of what do people need to look for if they are a company or an individual to measure they're getting value from it? Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is, is setting those outcomes. You know, before you go and invest in something, it's not always um, monetary a monetary return. It depends on the role of that individual. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's up to the coach and the coachee or the sponsor, the organisation, to agree on what does success look like. You know, how do we prove? If we're going to invest 10 grand in this, coaching program for how as a many, whether it's one person or personal five or whatever, is how will we know this has been successful? Yeah. And so therefore once you start once you start with the end in mind, it's then, you know, this is what we're aiming for. Also, you know, what I used to do in one of those sessions was, you know, okay, what does 10 out of 10 look for look like to you? Let's set some criteria here. Look at the areas for this particular individual, for example. What are the areas of development that that we're aiming for from coaching? And you know, this is what ten out of ten looks like. And, and where is it now? Where is this individual? And and the data scaling with the sponsor and also with the individual. So it's a three-way conversation. I've had conversations with an organisation saying, I want you to come and coach this person because we're not happy with this, this, this and this. And then you talk to the individual and say, right, what do you want to get out of this? And they want something totally different. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, getting clarity for each person, okay, so they both yeah. understand why they're in the room for the coaching in the first place. Absolutely. And also making sure that the, the sponsor has had this con- very open and honest conversation with the individual. Yeah. Not um, because I have had it happen too many times to recall where the sponsor has said to me, can you come and fix this person? We want them to stop doing this and stop doing that, and et cetera, et cetera. And I'll say, so have, you know, when did you have this conversation with the person I'm going to be working with? They yeah. know, I'm assuming they know exactly what it is that you want them to work on. They're going, oh, we haven't exactly had that such an honest yeah, yeah. And I said, well, let's do that first. Yeah, and get clear. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think this thing around this shift in coaching from uh, when they've had to fix someone to help them develop their performance, this is the key thing now. So people can enhance their performance. And, and coaching is now about, it, it, it's a privilege to have coaching. It's something that people should aspire to. Because um, as Eric Schmidt from Google once said, it's one of the greatest investments he ever made was actually in his coach. Uh, and yeah. there's a lot been written about uh, people's ability to coach and up the game because of the coach. You can sit on the sideline and watch what's going on effectively and make the changes that needed in that person's mindset help them deliver more value. And this is a bit that I'm seeing that as, as a coach myself, that people are now starting to wake up to. 
and and it's obviously offering the value that people really need. Yeah, and if it's how you position it, that that's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you know, I've had responses coming to me saying, you know, I want you to come and work with so and so, and I, you know, would say so. You know, are they on board with this? Are they happy about it? And they're saying, yeah, maybe. So it's having that conversation. I, I, I guess, you know, this has been a useful 15-minute podcast now to talk about, you know, why coaching, what people need from it. Um, th- there's one other question I've got, which is very much around uh, when companies come to look for a coach, what is it they need to look for in, in selecting their coach? We talked about trusted coach directory, but what's the thing they need to look for in selecting a coach to do the work they need? I think it's good to find a coach who's got experience of working with similar, um, not a similar coaching, but have experience working with so senior leaders. If you're looking for a, for a coach to work with your CEO, then there's no point finding a coach who's you know just started out or hasn't had any experience of working with a senior leader or understanding, always understand their challenges. But it does help to understand somebody's industry. Mm-hmm. You know, as coaches... Quite often, organisations, when they do come to me, they're saying, you know, we're looking for a coach who's worked in the pharmaceutical industry or a coach who's worked with accountants before in the automotive industry. And, and if, when I go to coaches, they, they want a coach like this. They're saying, but, I, you know, it doesn't matter my experience. You know, my training is working with the individual. Yeah. But it actually means a lot to the organisation. Yeah. And I do think it helps as a coach if we do understand a, a bit about their role, yeah. their pressure, there's... Um, not to influence how you coach because a professional coach would keep that out of it. Um, but also that they've got the right experience, they've got the right qualification, as in coaching qualifications, that they have regular coaching supervision. And I think a lot of organisations forget about the CPD side of it. Yeah. And they might just look for a qualified coach. And then there are a lot of coach training schools out there. I would be looking for someone who's got a qualification that talk about a number of things there in terms of what people need to look for we talked a bit about what coaching is 
We've talked about the, the, the type of things that people might consider when they're looking for a coach, but also why would they need a coach and a bit about how to find one. So thank you for that. It's been a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you for that. Uh, I wish you well and uh, look forward to speaking to you in the future about more of Trusted Coach Directory and on the journey and also about coaching in general. So thank you very much, Helen Isaac. Thank you. Thanks, So that concludes this episode of Sparks. Thanks for listening. We're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show, along with your rating, or send us an email to sparks at ebmconsult.com.